Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. Hi, welcome back uh, to the show. I can say back now because yesterday I recorded the first episode for the ESUCC's new podcast that's going to be showcasing some of the just uh, phenomenal work and tremendous educators across the state that are serving schools and teachers and learning. Uh, to, and this is really an opportunity for us to, to just kind of bring to light some of the great things that are going on and hopefully promote those in a way that, that other people will get interested and reach out. So um, I am absolutely thrilled today to be able to have a conversation with Katie Morrow. So Katie, Welcome to the pod. Thank you, Andrew. This is exciting. Yeah, I just get excited because these conversations are so fun to, to just hold and learn from. And today we're going to talk a little bit about remote learning. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, your role with the ESU. Uh, and so I, I guess I want to kind of start by giving you the floor to say, can you kind of give us a little backstory about time in education and, and where you're at and what you're doing currently? Sure. Yeah. So I um, grew up in O'Neill, Nebraska, Northeast Nebraska up here and um, spent about 20 years in, I started in fifth grade, went to junior high ELA, language arts, did a lot of tech integration work in my district, initiated or helped launch a one-to-one initiative there. And after that time, it was about five years ago, had always looked to the leadership of our service unit, ESU number eight out of um, Neely, Nebraska. And um, the opening came available for an instructional technology facilitator. Totally sad to leave my district, but totally happy to still work with them in a broader capacity, as well as all the other amazing districts around the area, and then collaborate on a statewide level with all the other ESUs too. So I've spent five years here at ESU 8 and hopefully impacted lots of classrooms. It's been really great learning for myself as well, you know, just learning from the educators, the leaders of the area, and, and helping everybody grow their efforts to reach more students. Oh, and that's, uh, that's something that I'm excited in my uh, new role here as well, to kind of get invested in that, that work. And uh, uh, I know, as you're sort of describing it there, I'll just say I could hear that it was in past tense, cause, and we are a little bit sad that we're going to be losing you. I know because you got uh, a new opportunity that uh, is really exciting, and it sounds like you said five years, too, that you've been working with ESU, mm-hmm, and so right. I'm sure kind of ready for um, you know, just different challenges, I think, is, a, is the growth mindset that we want to always, like, demonstrate. So what, tell us a little bit about where you're headed next. Well, I am taking a position as the Education Development Executive for K-12 for Apple um, for the states of Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota. And so potentially still working in, in some capacity with some of the districts that I have at ESU-8, but on a larger scale, um, what's, what's really exciting to me is that Apple Education kind of shares that same vision that I have, um, empowering the creative potential in every learner, um, using technology to, to do that and not, you know, just being the end to the means or whatever, just really bringing out that creative potential of every student. And so I'm excited to see where this takes me, um, but sad to leave my Nebraska ESU friends, of course. Yeah, well, we'll be glad to have you serve in Nebraska just in a different capacity. And we'll, I'm grateful to get a chance to chat with you before uh, you kind of start the new role, too, so you can uh, kind of share some of the things that you've been doing in, in this role. And uh, when you talk about kind of enhancing that creative capacity um, in our learners and, and 
I think on some level that that also is just with our with our educators, right? I think that we have to have the professional development and the, the willingness to take the risk necessary to empower learners to to have space to own those kinds of assignments and opportunities. Um, what have you sort of seen in your work in that vein, right? Like like as yeah. we have moved into more of a creator, I just feel like the tech has finally caught up in a way that has allowed us to be able to do more things. Uh, would you agree with yeah. that? And kind of what's that look like in your experience? Yeah, I do agree with that. And it really all starts with the philosophy that everyone's a learner, right? No matter if you're a um, school administrator or a teacher, a classroom teacher or a support staff person or that student themselves, we're all continuously learning. Um, and the fact that you said, you know, we have the capacity to create now and it takes a larger role in education is so true. All we have to do is look in our pockets to our, our phones. And we've got a whole creative studio right there, right? So um, we're seeing that now more than ever in this remote learning stage. Teachers are able to really, really um, be creative and use their devices to reach their students in more creative ways than sometimes they felt limited or restricted in the classroom. And also just you know, taking that risk because in times of uncertainty, you just have to, right? Like in survival mode, you're more willing to try something new out of necessity. And I think that that's a good byproduct. But I definitely think that even when things are back to normal, that like you said, with the technology catching up to the creative opportunities of an education right now, that we will take even more full advantage of this kind of work. I it's so fun that you like share that because last night I actually was on the phone. I'm very good friends with my own. I have a, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old and I'm very okay. good friends with their teachers. Uh, you might even know what, do you know Dustin Carlson? From oh Rock? yes. Dustin yeah. is one of your kids' teachers. Yeah. He is my son's that is amazing. teacher. So he's oh. also Apple Distinguished Educator for those of you listening in. Now we're just sort of nerding out here, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, Dustin's great. Uh, and I was also talking to my daughter's teacher, Sarah Davenport, and she was sharing with me that she is very excited to get back into the classroom for a myriad of reasons. But one of which is that she has felt this sort of emergency remote learning, as I've started to call it, this sort of trial by fire getting into these spaces uh, has certainly raised like the floor, you know, for her in terms of, and, and ceiling, I guess at the same time for yeah. what she's going to, I guess I said floor and ceiling there because I think ceiling and what she is capable of doing and floor in terms of what she's going to expect from herself as far as, the degree to which she starts to consistently incorporate tech. Sure. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and I do see that as, uh, as a word duplicitous. I do see it having like both of those like impacts to varying degrees for people. Uh, and, and I'm really excited for that. Is yeah, that um, kind of something you've seen a little bit in your, you know, I know we kind of are in different parts of the state, but um, right. in the conversations you've been a part of, has that been kind of a theme? I've been so impressed with our educators and our, our school leaders um, right. and what they've been able to pull out of their back pocket and pull from where they didn't think they had, you know, the capabilities to do. And then some of those um, teachers who felt pretty comfortable, um, I've seen teachers making, you know, creative vlogs out on the farm and showing um, real life ag skills, right? Instead of just teaching out of the text. Teachers that have created like community, bringing together um, trivia, quizzes that have really like 
that's Gary Hoster, by the way. He's a O'Neill High School master of all knowledge. And so it, he can't teach every day, which is what he loves. And so he teaches the entire community um, <laughs> through these trivia games that anybody can play and learn from. And he releases them almost daily, right? Just that kind of going above that we wouldn't have thought necessary um, in the past, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen... Um, just amazing things, even, you know, primary grades teachers who didn't use a lot of tech and they're, they're seeing how the kids respond to when they create a, a video and post it on Seesaw and get to, you know, interact with those young learners in a, in a different way. Um, and they, they feel empowered, I hope, because they're able to do it. They can do it. It's not, it's not impossible. It's not out of their, their realm. It's accessible Absolutely. to all. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a point that I was going to kind of build off there and that uh, I am fortunate to have, that my kiddos have teachers that have experience and also found new ways to function in that space. And I've seen it in my own children that they are, we have our kind of to-do doing and done board and they go up to it every day and they're moving pieces of, uh, uh, along their progress line. And uh, I think just the ability to get in those rhythms of working asynchronously in those spaces is going to increase their ability to, to self-manage when we get back to the classroom. And, yeah. and that certainly, I think, is a, that's going to be incredible. And I think it's also going to like stretch our, our practices. Uh, you know, I feel like when we talk about tech and these, these tools and our skills, um, that that is sort of one professional development avenue where now when we get back, how do we capitalize on this new capacity that both teachers and, and students have um, and so I think the professional development that comes around that's going to be really fun to be a part of and, and interesting yeah. to see how that grows and builds upon some of those things. You know, another thing, Andrew, that I think we're going to see is the fact that students have, a, they've been cooped up at home, right? And so they've kind of been allowed to pursue creative outlets a little bit more, like follow their passions and um, learn because they want to learn rather than being told they have to. Um, like my own kids, they're getting out their guitars and learning new songs and maybe they didn't have time before or, or whatever it might be. Um, I've seen students who just because they're bored, create amazing videos from home and then share them online and everybody gets to laugh and see that side of them that, that really shines. And I really think that as, as educators, we should challenge ourselves to incorporate that more in the regular curriculum when we all go back to normal. How can we capitalize on student passions, allow them to take creative choice in what they do and, and pursue some of their own learning as well as the prescribed learning that we know is important for, for their development? It's because it's the whole picture and it's, it's so important um, that in, in, in professional development and teacher training, we need to do the same. Let mm -hmm. teachers have some choice. Let them have some creative control over what they're learning and why and how they incorporate it into what they teach. Oh, so, I cannot yeah. agree with you more you what? <laughs> <laughs> on both those fronts. And that is work that I have for a long time been passionate about and I'm excited at the potential opportunity with that, given, you know, call it a silver lining, right. In, in this moment that it, right. it might help us get there and, you know, uh, through different means than we would have originally thought, but getting there is, is a plus. Uh, and, I would say too, in that, as you're speaking um, about trying to like incorporate more of those creative endeavors, I, I I hope that I hope that we find a little bit of a shift too 
in March, as I said, sort of trial by fire, it was, it was emergency remote learning where I would love to right. see it start in August. If we had, I'd love to see it start in August. Let me just say, that. I hope that we're back right. and things are back to what we would call <laughs> right. normal or a new normal. But if we're not, and if, if, uh, if we do, and then we end up in this remote space again, I hope it's intentional remote learning. Uh, and I hope that we kind of take some lessons from this that um, translate into just when we do have to go to those spaces, that our approach is a, a little more, that we just have better practices in those spaces. You know, I think initially yeah. with my own children, it was, you know, four or five hours of screen time and, and online because we were just trying to get information out and access. Um, right. But, uh, but I, I love the challenge of thinking through, well, how do you, how do you limit some of that, right? So can we use outside? Sure. Can we use the ingredients yep. in the kitchen? Can we, can we use right. uh, the right. fact that we are just not bound by brick walls and bell schedules to yep. <laughs> extend how we think about our work um, so we don't have to do these prepackaged 30-minute lessons when those aren't the confines that we're like, currently functioning under. Uh, and uh, yeah. I think that's, that's also a place for creativity to thrive um, in the midst of the work we're doing. Yeah. And you talk about confines, right? Another, so we've, we've said creativity a lot, but another critical skill that I think we're going to have to um, elevate and, and you know, rise the top here is collaboration and having that connectivity that exists even when we're not physically in one space together, which has really excited me to see you know, teachers get together on Zoom calls and, and just be together, right? Um, educators bringing in virtual field trips now out of necessity, but why not in the future as well? Like connecting kids to professionals, to experts, and then kids collaborating themselves rather than just working in isolation, one child at one desk. We've had to now, you know, use these digital tools to connect our, our learners and ourselves. And I hope that we do that at an even higher level when we're physically back together, but we don't just stay isolated in our schools, school buildings, you know, just, we need to maintain these collaborations and these connections um, and take them to a whole nother level because that will take education farther too. Yeah. I, it, it's fun getting into that space where you start to think about what those challenges will be when you kind of get again, back to whatever the new normal would look like. I, your, your comments there made me think a little bit too, to concern that I had, and I'm not sure how valid it is. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask to see if you think this, there's any validity to this, but I was concerned a little bit for primary age students who might lose some degree of sociability as a result of um, being around the same three, four people, right. maybe half mm -hmm. of which are not in their age group. Um, right. And what, what we might have to consider, particularly in our early elementary when we get back and, and really at any level in terms of just trying to kind of teach some of those, uh, you can call it PBIS, SEL, right. um, but, but just, right. Mm -hmm. I do think there's some thinking potentially there. What are your thoughts in that like avenue? Well, I think it's definitely, you know, a critical need, like you said, that their kids are missing out on that social development. And we know it's a major part of their growing up. You know, think of your own kids. I'm sure that homeschooling, you would do an excellent job, but they would miss out on so much of that learning from others. So um, yeah. that's not to say that we can't make it happen in remote learning, but it, I mean, we, we all want the back to normal, the face-to-face -to, -face <laughs> sure. to the classroom. I'm just saying, don't lose the connectivity too. Like, for example, um, at ESU8, our administrator has called all ESU8 administrators, all principals and superintendents, every week 
um, on a regular weekly Zoom call. We get an update from the health department, that's great. But what's even better is that they're all discussing issues together every Monday. And we didn't do that before. We might go a month or two before we had our administrators all having a conversation together. The value in that collaboration will far surpass, right, any of the problems and the, the struggles we went through here if they continue that. It'll take everyone's efforts and multiply them if we can maintain that, again, those connections and that collaboration, even when we are back in our districts and we don't have to. Um, I think we still should. That's. Um, so I maybe didn't answer your question about early learners. I, I, no, I do think totally. they need to be back face to face <laughs> and social. It's a yes and. We also need to do the asynchronous and the connecting beyond too. Yeah, abs absolutely. It uh, that avenue only came up in my like thought process because I I haven't really conversed with people outside of Zoom in a while. And I went to my friends right. the other day and we <laughs> talked. Off, he was on his deck and I'm out in the yard and I was like, this is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I yeah. yeah hope to to kind of think through those things too. And um, uh, it's amazing how fast a half hour can kind of go by when you get on a good chat. Oh. Here. <laughs> about um about you very what? chatty people here too if, yeah uh, well, hey, that's good that makes for a great yeah. conversation so I, I guess i'll try to kind of bring things to a close with this and say if you kind of had one thing that you would like to really showcase or a couple things i don't mean to like put a hierarchy on it there but uh th that you look at your time with the ESU and say, this is, this was something that um, just really filled my bucket on a regular basis. Yeah. I'd love to uh, advocate that more people get involved in. What would that, what would that kind of look like? So, um, you know, when I think back to the last five years, I, of all things, value the relationships with not only the educators out in the districts that we serve, but also with my own team here, the, the PD team at ESU8 and statewide across all the ESUs, um, the relationships there and the things that I've learned from the other people, they'll be high on that list. But if I have to go down to like a granular level and yeah. kind of describe what I think might be my impact on um, educators and classrooms, it's real, really always just like holding some teachers' hands, encouraging them, showing them the possibilities and then getting out of the way so they can do it themselves. And um, specifically, I've done some work with several amazing educators in ESU8 who are willing to let me come in and work with them and their students to do more kind of um, projects or larger long-term you know, publishing things, whether it's putting together videos with their class or a lot of book authoring things. I've done some really cool book projects with classrooms. Um, some elementary, some middle school, and where each student is in charge of creating, you know, something, obviously written text. Sometimes there's augmented reality that goes with it. So you scan a page of the book and then a, a video or an animation pops Whoa. out on your eyes. Um, just really, really cool, powerful things. So kids are getting creative with the technology, but they're still doing the literacy, the important skills there. They're um, publishing to a real life audience, which we all know is, is engaging for kids. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, I'd like to like share my, my kind of final collaborative book project with a teacher in ESU8. Um, yeah, go with it. That sounds, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So this one was cool because it came after we went to remote learning. 
and it was actually the day after. So um, her name's Beth Lively. She teaches second grade at West Holt Elementary in Atkinson. I think she would say she's not a very techie teacher. She had asked me out earlier in the year to work with her second graders on their animal reports, and they did some green screen videos to bring their research to life. It was a really fun animal zoo that they put on, um, and she thought, okay, this is cool. You know, we can do this. The kids responded well. They were very um, proficient at it, honestly, without even her not feeling like she had the expertise. And with a little bit of that handholding and encouragement, it was a success. So she said, you know what, I'm, I'm at home and I'm teaching on Facebook Live to my second graders and it's going well. Um, every year on 9-11, on September 11th, I read to them this story called September 12th, We Knew Everything Was All Right. And it's actually a scholastic book. And she said, I want, I, I wrote them a story, my second graders, called March 17th, We Knew Everything Would Be All Right. Oh, and, I just got chills. Yeah, and, and it's cool. <laughs> I'll send you the link, okay? So she wrote, she wrote the words to this story, and then she said, can you help me? Because I want my second graders, they're at home doing, I want them to help me illustrate it, and I want to, you know, publish it as a book. And I said, oh, I'd love to. So wow. she um, distributed the pages to her students. They wrote the, the text for each page, drew the illustration. I, she collected all of their paper drawings, and then I turned it into digital, a digital format, basically, in the Keynote app, printed or exported as a PDF, sent it to a book publishing company that I've used before, Blurb, mm -hmm. which makes kind of inexpensive soft cover books. And she wanted to order a copy for each one of her second graders for, um, you know, the end of the year. March yeah. 18th, we knew everything would be all right. It's all about how everything, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. We know our families love us. This is going to be fine. We're all in it together. And then I said, Beth, would you also just record yourself on your phone narrating the pages? Because it'd be great to do a, a digital book version of this too, where we can hear your comforting voice right. you know, telling the story. She said, of course. And she sent it to me from her, from her iPhone. And then I put it together and I surprised her with all these little animations. So like her kids' drawings came to life if you look at the digital version. Wow. And... Um, yeah, so it turned out really cool. It was an awesome collaboration. Her creative writing skills, her students' amazing illustrations, and then that tech that was just the right connection to kind of bring it to life. Um, so she posted it on Facebook. You know, we, we shared it with the families. And the original author of that um, September 11th or September 12th book and, and her class, they actually, she actually um, reached out to Beth and they, they talked on Facebook chat. She posted. Whoa. Yeah, it was really cool. And that's the kind of thing that can happen in each and every classroom, right? If we take a few responsible risks, we think a little bit differently and um, kind of work together to do something beyond what we thought was possible originally. So that's just one project. I mean, I've worked with <laughs> amazing educators in a lot of, lot of cool ways, but I think that really defines what's possible, working with our ESUs, with our, our teachers and our administrators um, and really thinking bigger and, and more global and, and you know, more, more what's possible if we try something together. I'm gonna let there just be some dead time while the people <laughs> just listen and yeah. think about how amazing, how amazingly beautiful that is as a learning experience and a professional collaboration and that, oh, 
it just speaks to me. I'm like, just choked up just talking about it. I, I, think, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the note we're gonna, we're gonna end on um, because uh, that is that is tremendous and a piece that I'm sure those kiddos will hold on to and and be yeah. able to revisit. Absolutely. That's that is super meaningful work. That's how uh, school should be for everyone, right? That's how. Amen. Everyone should have those simple, real experiences that matter, that make a difference, and that they will remember forever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for your time today and for all your work in service of uh, uh, teachers, you know, regionally for you and and statewide. And uh, excited to share this message out and, and best of luck with everything that you kind of have future endeavors and, and I'm sure our paths will continue to cross. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I'm excited to see where uh, all the ESUs can go with your leadership as well and working with you. Um, it's an exciting opportunity. It makes me um, sad to leave at this time because I was really looking forward to just growing our efforts together under your leadership and your guidance and with you. So best of luck and thank you again for letting me be a small part of this. And you're right, our paths will cross, I'm sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Well, thanks.